I'm Amy, and you're listening to the Creativity Matters Podcast. Today on the Creativity Matters Podcast, talking about planners and trackers and bullet journals. Oh my. Here we go. You're listening to the CMP, a Creativity Matters Podcast. Stories of creative journey and a reminder that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Creativity Matters Podcast. I'm Amy. And this is episode 345, Lions, Tigers, and Planners, oh my. And amazingly, January is almost over. I am moving a little bit in slow motion, a little bit in a vacuum, very much in a quiet space, and it feels okay. There is a shift. Something is shifting. And I'm settling into this quiet and learning my way around, appreciating it. So we are well into this new year, far enough in to be thinking about what has and hasn't worked in January, what we might do in February, what we might be thinking of for the year. Little movements, though. Little movements. These are not huge things. Shifting doesn't always have to be huge. It's not always a 180. It's not always even 90 degrees. Or you may find that even when you think you might shift or you think you are shifting even a little bit, that your creative consciousness resists, has its own ideas, pulls back. And that isn't always a bad thing either. Sometimes you set something up that you think you want to do, a shift, a pivot, a little road you want to explore, and it doesn't quite work out the way you think it will. Or part of you resists it the entire time. And you just stop, you think about it, you look at what's going on. Maybe you just need to do what you were doing. Or maybe you keep pushing and pushing through. My month has been productive. It has. Daily, yes. And I am enjoying what I'm doing. I hope you are enjoying what you are doing too. This living thing, this creative thing, it really is just a series of days. Each day a reminder that there is more to us than just work or just TV or just taking care of others. More than just getting up and doing the tasks, there can also be the small space you carve to make something, draw something, paint something, knit something, write down something you saw or heard, or just look around. Take a walk. Break the cycle just enough to keep you awake and aware, to keep you looking, seeing, And hopefully recording, recording, reflecting, being open to the world around you and somehow collecting something each day as a way of actively taking it in. Collecting in the form of drawing or noting or jotting or snapping a photo, sharing something you saw or heard, jotting down a pattern you saw on a wall or on a floor or on a pair of pajamas in a window that you passed. Gluing, listing, ordering, pondering. Today's talk isn't necessarily 
one that's going to feel creative. But I want to talk today about planning and about bullet journaling and specifically about three books on these topics. So today is really an extended book review. It's a book review show, and it might end up multi-part. But there's also a story about a composition book, composition book cover, and just a bit of talk about planning in general, the idea of it, the why of it, and the what of it. What does it really mean? Planning is huge. It feels like it is everywhere. I remember when that wasn't the case, but it is the case now. It is everywhere. And there are tons of communities and product lines that have grown up around this. Stickers, for example, and printables, and the popularity of modern day highlighters, and all those different lines of pens, and paper clips, and tabs, and covers, zillions and zillions of covers, and all kinds of paper and all kinds of formats, and a dizzying array of sizes. The whole industry that has come into view around planning is fascinating to contemplate, and to realize how quickly it all seems to have emerged, because it wasn't always like this. So today I want to talk about planning. Just a bit. It's been a couple of years since I recorded the Midori show about the Midori Traveler's Notebook system. And I think Traveler's Notebooks and bullet journaling are kind of wrapped up. They're a little bit entwined for me or intertwined in terms of timeline and my own adoption of these things. But no matter what kind of notebook I'm using or what kind of planner Bullet journaling is something that I've talked about here and there throughout the years. Many, many shows. I think today's show is going to be long. And I might just break it up. I'm already thinking that might be what happens. I'm going to let it flow, though, here from the start and just see what feels logical, what makes sense on the clock. So it's possible that this one will get split and put up in two parts. The intro and then the books. So we'll see. I don't know. I'd rather have it all together, but it might just be too long. I don't really, I don't plan to talk about what I'm doing, not what I'm doing right now. It's new. I've got a hybrid thing going on for myself. I'm not planning on talking much about everyday matters style of journaling, which is very much on my mind. And I don't plan to mention things specifically like the Hobonichi, different kinds of planners like that. So this is going to be fairly concrete and at the same time, not so concrete. It's not a go buy this kind of show. So at the outset, I don't think I'm going to talk much about what I do and how I do it. Other than the general sense that I do keep some kind of list-based system. And at times, I am better at doing that, at sticking with it, at being faithful to it, than at other times. Maybe you are too. So here we go. 
lions, tigers, and planners. Oh my. And why? I don't know. I couldn't resist. I couldn't resist the lion, tigers, and planners. Oh my. Lion, tigers, and planners. Oh my. I could probably turn that into something. I'm sure I could. I feel like I've been doing bullet journaling of some kind ever since Ryder Carroll's bullet journaling approach hit the scene and following bullet journal kind of groups for a long time and watching in that time the rise, as I said, of the planner community. Planning really has come into its own in recent years. It really is a thing. And I feel like this whole idea of planning is kind of an age-old theme. As humans, at least some of us want or need to feel more organized, to be more in control of our time or feel like we are, to have better visibility into our time, to try and fit more in, we have to be able to see what we're doing and when to make sure we don't forget to do things and to make sure we don't forget the things we do. Whether we want to hold on or move forward or reach for more, some of us gravitate to calendars, lists, planners, and there are lots and lots and lots of approaches out there. There are all kinds of ways you can do it. The more you dive into one, the more you hear about another. There are all kinds of things you can try in so many different ways. Endless and infinite. And just as there are many of us who embrace this whole smorgasbord of planning and documentation, tracking and organizing, there are those who really don't get it. Don't need it. Don't want it. Don't do it. It just isn't for them. Maybe it could be, but they're really wrapped up in telling people and telling themselves that it's not for them. And maybe it is, maybe it's not, but they're wrapped up in the story that it is not. So today's show is for those of you who either are planners or list makers, or those of you who allow the possibility that you could be. You're at least marginally interested in the whole idea whether you do it or not. You like to look at examples from those people who do, even if it's not something that you yourself are currently doing. So we've narrowed in already those who do plan or at least appreciate the whole idea and those who simply don't. So looking more closely at the those who do space, there are Lots of subsets, lots of styles, lots of approaches. There are factions of paper-only people, and there are people who prefer digital. So we're going to narrow in again, because today's talk is really about paper planning, about having and using some kind of notebook. And in that space, there are also variations and varieties. There are tensions between pretty planning and minimalist planning. People who find their creative fulfillment in making beautiful planner pages, pretty planner pages. And the other side are the people who plan and track for utility and don't waste a lot of time 
making it pretty. And I think all of it has value. We could talk for weeks about all of these things. I think all of it has value. And I love seeing how many people do some form of planning, really. I love the general enthusiasm for tracking and list making and documentation and journaling and recording, the introspection and self-reflection that goes along with all of it, and the love of pen and ink and paper that goes along with it too. I do think the planning community people, I do think planning community people are hugely supportive of one another. It's an encouraging group. They like it that someone wants to make a list of all the episodes of a series or all the colors in the Crayola box or every Tombow marker so that they can check off the ones they own. I love being in groups and I'm usually just an observer, but I love being in groups where people say without any fear of standing out, hey, I want to make a list of this or that. What suggestions do you have? Or, hey, I'm suddenly dealing with this. How should I track it? And the this could be anything from spending or weight loss to moods to pain to steps to words to look up or books to read, things to cook, ways to use a crockpot. I love the support that emerges in those spaces, and I love how open people seem to be. I see people jump in with their bucket lists, their 50 by 50s, their 19 for 2019s. They are excited to make these lists and then to show them. They're excited, and others are excited too. They're excited to see them. They're excited to cheer each other on. They're excited to say, hey, that's great. I see people jump in with their to read lists and what I read lists and how I feel and what I did and where I want to go and what I want to do and how I'm going to get there, how I'm going to manage it, all of it. I admire the openness, admire it, marvel at it. And I admire the readiness of others to say, that's great. So planning has become this huge thing. And Ryder Carroll's system of bullet journaling has been a fulcrum for many people. A really logical and concrete way to document days, weeks, months, years, interests, projects, and more. You can learn the system online. Ryder's site has all of the information. And there are Thousands of videos from other people who cover and talk about the ideas, show their own approaches, and flip through their planners. This is a huge space. It's a huge video space, too. And you can follow planner people in social media for an endless, and if you are not careful, an overwhelming stream of inspiration, general planning goodness, and community. When Ryder Carroll's book on bullet journaling came out last year, it immediately made a splash. People in all of these spaces were talking about it. Over the years, there has been a real reigning in of 
the bullet journal brand, the limiting of the use of words, all of that, the business part of that and everything that goes along with it has happened. I've seen it happen in the groups that I'm in. There's been a real, real trickle down effect. So I've been in communities long enough to watch all of that happen. And when the book came along, when it came out and everybody was talking about it and so excited about it, I wasn't sure what I would think. I wasn't sure about this book. I wasn't sure what it would offer for someone who already sort of uses the system, even loosely uses the system as some kind of extension of list making and journaling. I wasn't sure what I would learn from the book. I wasn't sure how I would feel about it. But I put it on hold, along with a lot of other people. I was hundreds of people into the wait list for the book last fall. And while people in online spaces continued to rave about it, I waited and I waited and I waited. And in the meantime, last fall, I kind of got motivated to get myself back on track with my daily list making, checking things off, jotting things down that happened or I heard or I did. As I said, planner people come in all types and have all kinds of different needs. I surprised myself last year by going an entire year without a calendar. Now, I wished at times that I had the Midori, it's really basic, it's a Midori undated calendar. It's really basic. And that is what I had used the last several years, but I went an entire year without it. And, you know, it was okay. And no, I am not one to draw a calendar. And see, that puts me in one group versus another, because drawing a calendar every month, I just can't do it. So planners planner people have all kinds of needs. Some have lots of appointments and really, really need a calendar. Some have lots of time-driven tasks, lots of places they have to be or people they need to meet either during the day or because of their children or at night. They have social things to do and places to go, lots of deadlines, things to manage and chaperone with kids. They need time management. Others are less deadline-driven, but they really need task visibility and task management. They need to be able to see their to-dos, but they don't necessarily need to be able to break that down in times or on certain dates. I'm probably in that group. I'm definitely in that group. And I am definitely on the utilitarian side of things, the minimalist side. And that's not a so-so. That's not a, oh yeah, maybe. That's not me straddling the line at all. I am extremely minimalist. The parts of bullet journaling I use are extensions for me of the way I use and keep lists anyway. Basically, I use and keep lists. And I do that day to day. And that works for me. But I'm not a pretty planner. I would rather spend my hour drawing a portrait than drawing a creative page to write my daily list on for tomorrow. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. And I know I'm not alone in that. I may be in the minority. <laughs> I may be in the minority as a very minimalist planner, but I'm not alone. And at the same time, 
I make room for everybody because I really enjoy watching the Pretty Planner community. I really do. I know I will never do these things, but I love to watch. I love to see. There's so much creativity and beauty happening in that space. I love what pretty planning people do. It is definitely in and of itself a creative form. And for some people, that is their creative space. And I think that's awesome. I really do. For me, I want to check off that I drew because I spent the hour or so drawing. Drawing something else, not drawing the date. So I'm fine with the way I do it. But like others, I struggle sometimes with keeping that habit in place. Last fall, feeling more and more sand slipping through my fingers, I started tracking more systematically. Keeping my daily lists, setting up some master lists. I decided that going into the new year, I wanted to keep a neater accounting of days. Neater, not necessarily prettier. And to do so bullet journal style. More organized collections, especially, and big lists. Something that would be easier to pull together, more reflective of the days. I could pull it out and see things big picture style that right now for me end up all over the place. So for my own reasons, the record of it all is important. The recording of it to have a record. For me, that's what is important. That's what it boils down to. Everybody's got their underpinning, their reason. And I think that is mine. What I really want to say to all of you is that keeping a planner in whatever form is a powerful tool. It can be, it can help you feel more keyed into your days, more aware, more present, more on top of things. It can help you feel more organized. It can help you feel more in control. It can help you record and document things you might otherwise forget. It can help you feel like you have something to do every single day that is in and of itself a positive habit and in its own way, a form of self-care. The time you spend with your planner can be exactly that. You might be more comfortable, though, if you call it a journal. Some people might gasp at that. But really, if you come from the journaling side of things into planning, rather than maybe from the scrapbooking side or from the daily calendar side, then thinking about this kind of system as an extension of your journal isn't a huge stretch. I think the labels can sometimes put people off. The words we use to call this thing something might influence how you think about it. You might have your own assumptions and stereotypes about what certain words mean and whether or not they are for you. So focus on the function instead. When I ask my kids to go and get my planner for me, if I'm all cozy on the couch, for example, and don't want to move, but realize I've left it in the office, I typically ask them to go get my notebook. I just say, hey, would you go get my notebook? I think it's laying here or there. I'm not all caught up in the label. Basically, if I say notebook, everybody's going to know what it means. And really, my planner right now, is also my sketchbook. So I could actually tell them to go get my sketchbook and they'd still pretty much figure it out. If I told them to go get my planner, 
I don't think they're going to get it. So my planner is also my sketchbook right now. I am just not all about the rules. I'm really not. So it doesn't really matter what you call it. But I'm going to use the term planner today. A catch-all for this discussion. I don't even think I used to call it a planner. I've always called it my notebook or my journal or my sketchbook. But I'm going to use the term planner in this conversation. And I am talking about bullet journaling, some kind of daily accounting that involves lists, dates, calendars, to-dos, and things you check off. So not just regular freeform journaling, not just journaling that you're writing paragraph after paragraph, although I make room in my planner to do that. But I'm talking about this thing that encompasses all of it not an illustrated journal or not just an illustrated journal. Not that kind of journal that is just a combination of drawing and some writing. A planner, something that has all of it. Some kind of daily accounting that involves lists, dates, calendars, to-dos, any combination of those things. So do you keep one? Do you use one? Do you want to use one. If you're using one, how's it going? What do you like about what you're doing? What do you not like about what you're doing? How's it going? So those are the first questions to ask yourself, to think about, and to think about your own response to. If you're in the no way camp, I really encourage you to think about it. When my mom visited over the holidays, she saw my composition book cover, a quilted cover that I made last year, and she wanted one. She saw it. She liked it. She wanted it. And then some of you watched this play out at Instagram a little bit. When I made mine, I had been considering at that time making and offering these for sale. I fondly look back on the time when I made basic pen bags for your art tools and sold them. Partly as a way at the time, I was hoping to help support this show. So notebook covers, I thought, yes, I can do this. I really toyed with making them and selling them. And I was going to make field note covers for sure, definitely. And in the process of prototyping and testing, I ended up making my own full-size composition book cover. There are lots of people who make these. Like me, you may have made versions of these covers through the years for all sorts of books. I remember sewing cloth covers for paperbacks long, long, long time ago. But this cover, it was a little more. It wasn't single fabric. It definitely is quilted. There was more involved. It wasn't a simple fabric cover. That's just not how I do things. It's not me. The cover I pieced and then quilted for myself was symbolic. It was a piecing of bits of color and pattern and symbol that really spoke to me at the time, that somehow held personal meaning. The palette was important. It was different for me, definitely. It was a shift, and yet there was a blending and a melding of these bits. They all held meaning. The piece has its own magic for me. In the best of times, that is what I love about fiber work, about quilted pieces. That is what I love. And that kind of love 
doesn't end up being a process that's super fast. So I spent a lot of time on mine. There are a few things about it that I wrinkle my brow over, but it was a first. And I love the look of it. I love to hold it. It is a special piece. So when my mom started with the, I want one, I rolled my eyes. On the one hand, I knew that it was more work than she would realize. A lot more work than it seemed. And on the other hand, I just didn't think she would use it. Because she is not a planner person. She doesn't understand my list making, my journaling, my record keeping, my need to write things down. She humors me, definitely. She doesn't share this drive or need or interest. It's something we laugh about for sure. And just as she can't totally understand my why, I can't understand hers. I can't understand why she doesn't want to keep these kinds of lists. She can't understand why I would, and I can't understand why she doesn't. And she sees it on this microcosm. She just sees that it's something I do that she doesn't. And I keep trying to explain that there's this huge world of people out there who do these things. It's not just me. It's not just something really unusual that I do. There are a whole lot of people who do it. If you're not in these kind of spaces and really have a sense of, those thousands and thousands and thousands of people. It's hard to kind of grasp. It's hard to see beyond the microcosm of just me versus her. So I'm just this one odd person who loves pen and paper and who loves to make a list. What are all the things we need to do today? I ask. What are all the things we need to do before this visit ends? I ask. What are the next 12 knitting projects you want to do? I ask. Because we have hundreds of things we want to make, why not make a list of 12? If you really looked through and figured out what 12 you most want to make, what are they? What recipes should we try this visit? How can we slot the things we want to do into the coming days so that nothing gets left out? I always am ready for a small daily list. I don't like ending up on that last day of a visit and finding dozens of things that didn't happen and really could have happened if we had just kept them in sight and said, oh, let's do this one. Let's check. Oh, let's do that. Oh, let's go ahead and take care of that. A lot of times when you list things, it helps you see these little things that you can go ahead and just do. So for reasons I couldn't completely understand, other than that it is really pretty, she wanted a cover. That she said she had picked up a few composition books at some point in the last year and was using those, that was a surprise. That was a surprise, and that's probably why it all clicked into place. She saw that I had a, not just a cover, but a composition book cover, and she thought, ah, I need that. So, I always make things for my mom. It's not like I don't. She has quilted cases for most of her devices, actually, and through the years, she has had a series of cases, Kindle cases, iPad cases, Last year when she was here, she wanted a case for her newest device, and she picked out the fabrics. I pieced the pieces, and I never finished it. I still feel bad about it. Every time I see it, I feel bad. So I've been slipping in the last two years, 
And there was some possibility that even if I started a composition book cover, it might not really happen. I'm glad that it came up early enough in this process that I could try and fit it in. So I made the cover. I spent time over several days working on the piecing and then multiple sessions doing the quilting. Quilting is not my strong suit. I do it so rarely. I don't get a lot of practice, but I know how. I was taught by Opal, someone I consider to be a true artist, a master with quilting lines. So inspiring. And I feel so lucky that I learned how to quilt from her. So I know the how of it. I just don't do it enough. I'm not super practiced. I'm not super smooth. I'm not super confident. I'm not seasoned. But I can make do. And so for myself, I can make do. And for my mom, I can make do. I scrounged around when I got ready to quilt for my quilting gloves, which it was either going to be a sign that it should happen or a sign that this was just a complete waste of my time if I could find them or not. Because I kind of don't think I can do it if I don't have them. And I found them, yellowed fingers and all. I found them and I did it. I sat and I quilted panel by panel, line by line. When she saw it finished, she joked that all she needed was a composition book. Once she got home, she'd be able to start using it. Right, yeah. So I pulled out a composition book. We loaded it up. Shiny new blank composition book. She put it all in. She was all ready to go. There was a mistake, a little mistake on hers, on her book. As so many of my projects end up with, there was a mistake. It is so characteristic of me. It's a hallmark of mine. These things happen, but it will be okay. It's not a huge thing. So she loaded it up and to my surprise, she started using it. Right then, right there, that day, she made notes. She made calendar entries. She made lists. I tried to explain how an index page can be helpful, but yes, it does require numbering the pages if you're using an unnumbered book, like a composition book. We were talking about knitted items and something she said made me suggest that she could keep a log of when she wore hand-knit things that she had made or things that I had made for her. Why? Well, wouldn't it be fun just to see which things you actually wear and how many times you wear them, which ones you wear more than others? And of course, when you keep that kind of a list, you might end up wearing other things, wearing more broadly from your collection because you're keeping a list. To my surprise, she set up a list in her own way to document what she wears, knitted things that she wears. In my house, I am the only planner. Everyone humors me. Like I said, they humor my love of paper and pen, but no one shares it. No one shares it. No one has the same impulse or drive. But I think that list making, whatever you want to call it, can be helpful for most people. I really wish I could get either of my kids on board. For anyone looking to make better use of time, make more creative time, keep track of projects in progress or goals or habits or books or podcasts or TV programs or walks or clothes worn or inks used or places visited or cups of coffee, Anytime you want to clear your head or help you get everything down so you can manage to actually do all the odds and ends. 
I encourage you to consider some form of tracking or planning, some form of list. A brain dump list can be a good thing for anyone. And if you do nothing else, do that. Make this gigantic list of everything and just start there. But if you want to venture a bit more, bullet journaling is a great way to get started and can help you both record and schedule your to-dos and your time daily, monthly, weekly, yearly, lots of ways to do it. It's kind of like an accordion. You start with either the big view and you narrow in or you start with this granular view and you broaden out. You can find out all you need to know on the bulletjournal.com site and in videos and at Instagram. Follow some of the hashtags that are related to planning and bullet journaling. If you see someone you find inspiring, follow that person, but also look at the hashtags she uses. Follow some of those. Look, see, try. Boho Berry community is a great one to be part of for inspiration. And there are lots of other bullet journal focused groups at Facebook too. You'll pretty quickly find out whether or not you are a pretty planner or a minimalist planner. Either way is fine. And you may, like me, be someone who loves to look at pretty planner things, even if you're never really going to do that. And that's okay, too. I follow lots of planning hashtags just because I like to look. I find it inspiring and beautiful just to look at all the creative things people do. So the world is your oyster when it comes to planning. The world online is your oyster when it comes to planning. But if you want to flip some books, look at some things in person while you're sitting somewhere cozy with a cup of coffee, then there are a few books you can see if your library has. I find that libraries don't necessarily always have all of the books in a field like this. Typically, you're going to find a whole lot more listed at Amazon than your library will have. But if you like looking through these kind of books, then I have three that I'm going to talk about, three for you to check out. I like to look through books. I like to flip. You know that about me. I like to flip through books. I like to look at the pictures. I like to read the call-out boxes or headlines. I like to just look, take it in, scan it, skim it, flip, be inspired, and move on. I don't necessarily read every single word of every one of these kind of books, but I do love to look. So maybe you're like that too. While I waited on writer's book, the bullet journal method. That's his book. While I waited on that to come in, I looked at another one called Dot Journaling, A Practical Guide. And that's been many, many months ago. I thought it was fantastic. It's introductory, has a really introductory tone. But acknowledging that, I thought it was really well done. I kept waiting on writer's book, The Bullet Journal Method, and it finally came in over the holidays. Unfortunately, it showed up during a time when I was kind of too sick to really embrace it fully. But I spent some time with it and I have it on hold again. And I really liked the time I did spend with it. So I'll talk about that more. And then in recent weeks, I pulled another couple of books from the library in this area. And at least one of those I want to talk about in this group. So I am going to split it up. I'm going to do this in the next show. In the next show, I'm going to talk about these three books, Bullet Journal Method, Journal Me Organized, and dot journaling, a practical guide. So that is to come. You'll hear that soon, I promise. In the meantime, I encourage you to think about your own response and whether what you're doing works for you or doesn't. 
And if you're not doing it at all, why? I am the art. The art is me. And that is it for today. I totally expected this would be long, and it is super long, even though I didn't talk about the books. It should not be nearly so meandering. And if I had a planner page set up that told me what I was going to talk about in what order, maybe it wouldn't have been. But I appreciate you sticking with me and listening, keeping me company and letting me keep you company on whatever your adventure or journey was in this moment while you listened. Next show, I will talk about those three books. It will be very much book review driven and not story or essay driven, I promise. So that is coming and it will come quickly. As always, I'm Amy. You can reach me at creativitymatterspodcast at gmail.com. Show notes are available on the creativitymatterspodcast.com website. The music I play is courtesy of Nikolai Heidless. You can find me at Instagram as oamyoamy and as Creativity Matters Podcast. Thank you to those of you who support the show at Patreon. I very much appreciate your support and your belief in me and the show. Patreon.com slash Creativity Matters. Until next time, remember that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. And don't forget to breathe. Have a good week, everyone. <laughs>